notice that everything you ever thought would make you happy ever after didn't? Ooh, me too. It turns out Sean Cassidy was not my soulmate. Orgasms only last a few seconds and money does not buy happiness. Hi, I'm Dr. Cheryl Fraser and welcome to Sex, Love and Elephants, the weekly podcast where we explore relationships, mind and the meaning of life. A place where you are normal if you feel like something's missing, even though you have it all. Because guess what? Happiness is an inside job. How do I know? Well, if a Buddhist nun and a sex expert had a baby, I'm it. I'm a psychologist, sex therapist, and author. I've meditated for 12 hours a day for months at a time. I've studied Tantra in Tibet, and I've taught for people like Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield, and helped thousands of couples reignite passion. My mission with a loving heart is to kick your ass off the couch and into awakening. And here's the secret. If you want to cultivate wild love that lasts, compassion and curiosity, and the superpower of being happy for no reason, first, you've got to meet your elephant. So let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Dr. Cheryl Fraser, and welcome to this very first episode of the podcast, Sex, Love, and elephants. Oh my goodness, I'm excited. I'm humbled. I'm inspired. And I'm a little turned on to have the chance to share some of these teachings with you. So let's dive right in and deconstruct this kind of weird sounding name, sex, love, and elephants. Let's start with sex. S-E-X. Three little words that cause a whole heck of a lot of trouble. You'll hear a little bit later that by training, I'm a sex therapist and psychologist. And I don't love the word sex. I think it limits us to a very basic aspect of what is the fullness of eroticism. I prefer the word sensuality, the word sexuality, the word eros or erotic. Let's talk about sex. Some of the time on this show, I'm going to take a deep dive into myths about sexuality, what's going wrong, what's going right. I tend to make a very easy observation that the typical sex life is nipple, nipple, crotch, good night. Aha, longer term couples, if you've been together for more than a year or two, your sex life gets reduced to I touch you here, you touch me there. If it's a good pleasurable encounter, one or the other of us has an orgasm, not at the same time. So much about our sexual life becomes rote, boring and typical. And what's more, statistics show that the majority of long-term couples have way less sex than they did in the beginning. And in fact, up to 30 to 40% of you, if you've been together for more than a couple of years, you're not having sex at all. Look, sex is a beautiful part of life. It's a neglected part of life in a longer-term relationship. I want you to embody your eroticism when you go for a walk in the woods. I want you to learn how to use breath and tantric sexuality to have extraordinary sexual experiences alone or with your partner. So yeah, some of the times we're going to talk about sex. How can we bring the joy, the play back into foreplay? How can we make the bedroom in and out of the bedroom a way we relate, we dance together, we please each other, we love each other, we celebrate the beauty of being alive. That's a little bit about the sex in Sex, Love, and Elephants. Now, love. Oh my goodness me, 12 years old. 
Cheryl Fraser, growing up in a tiny logging town on a tiny, nah, medium-sized island off the coast of Vancouver. And I was deeply, madly, passionately in love with Sean Cassidy. We're talking the world's sexiest TV hardy boy, the do-ron-ron, the pop singer, he of the golden bangs falling over one eye. I wrote these erotic, love-struck, love-lorn letters to Sean Cassidy, mailed them to him in Beverly Hills. The idea was he was going to swoop down to my little island, swoop me up, take me back to Beverly Hills, where I would live, wait for it, happily ever after. Spoiler alert! Turns out Sean Cassidy was not my soulmate. But hey, I share that story because a so many of us resonate with longing to find someone who completes us, to quote a cheesy romantic movie, who makes us feel happy, who helps us be happy ever after. How's that working out for you? No, I am not a cynic. I love love. You'll hear through this show about my early adventures in love. You'll hear about my punk rock boyfriend. You'll hear about the man I married about 25 years ago. We eloped to Greece. We had a Mamma Mia wedding. It was incredible. The BBC happened to be there filming a travel show, and they filmed my first wedding. I say first wedding because our first big fight was on the honeymoon. I took off my wedding ring and threw it at his head. Things kind of went down from there. We had a lot of love, but we had no skills and no learning. And there's no excuse. I was almost 30. I wasn't a kid. But two and a half years after the incredibly romantic wedding, we parted ways. We got a divorce. We cut the ribbon between our two Greek wedding crowns and threw them into the ocean together. Fast forward, I became a love and sex expert. I know, ironic. I had a full-time talk radio show giving love and sex advice. I was teaching couples intensives, helping others have the passion the eroticism, the love, the depth that I wanted to have. I had a few great relationships along the way, but I really had a hell of a time figuring it out. We'll talk about love on this show. We'll talk about relationships, whether you're together, breaking up, divorced, trying again, single, wherever you're at. What are the skills that great couples learn? How can you learn them and how can you embody them and learn to be a great partner? How often do we run around looking outside of ourselves for a great partner instead of becoming an incredible partner ourselves? Look, there is no soulmate. Kill the soulmate and save your relationship. I'm going to give you some practical tips and tools that you can use not just in your romantic relationship, the times you're in one, but also in your relationship with your friends, your family, your colleagues. Great communication can help you master the workplace, can help you deal with your truculent teenagers and so much more. That's the love in sex, love and elephants and the elephant in the room. Nope. That's not a gimmick word. It's not in there just for the heck of it or to catch your attention. The underpinnings of the majority of the journey, the sharings, the learnings, the challenges we're going to go on together is this idea of learning to meet and embody your inner elephant. Let me briefly put it this way. You'll hear a lot more about this in upcoming episodes, but I want you to think about the monkey and the elephant. The monkey, kind of your ego. It's kind of who you think of as Cheryl or John or Juanita, etc. It's the ego. It's trying to figure stuff out. It really wants to be in control. It tells you what you need to be happy. It sends you chasing after a better relationship or more money or losing 10 pounds or getting a nicer house or getting Botox to make your face look prettier. The monkey it's kind of full of crap. The monkey is not a bad monkey. Please don't hate your monkey. Please don't hit your monkey. Give your 
monkey a banana, pat it on its head, say thank you for sharing, but you're not the most wise part of me. The monkey thinks it's in control. That's your ego mind. Often it's made up of stories that don't make any sense. So I'm just going to put that out there. Now, who, what, how, huh? What's this elephant? I want you to think of the elephant as your inner wisdom and compassion. This is this giant, unperturbable beast that is just plodding steadily toward awakening, towards enlightenment, where you're happy for no reason, where you're no longer chasing all this shit outside yourself to feel good, where you are content, your heart is open, you're filled with compassion and love, clarity, you're excited to engage in the world, to serve your community and more. That's the elephant of wisdom. Now just picture this. Picture this teeny tiny freaked out control freak of a monkey sitting on that giant elephant, actually thinking it's in control, actually thinking it knows more than the elephant and can turn that elephant around. That is our human experience. Oh my goodness, it's a hard gig being human. You ever notice that? I have not met you yet. I hope I get a chance to in person one day, but I already know some things about you. I know that deep down, you too often feel like there's something missing. It's a little bit like there's a little kitten and it's scratching at the door of your soul. And it's just scritch, scratch, scritch, scratch. Hello, please let me out. That kitten is an inner intuition, an inner whisper that is saying there is more. There's something you're not seeing. There's a way to be embodied in a resplendent life, to flourish, human flourishing, not just running from object to object, trying to get stuff that makes us happy. I already know that sometimes you feel completely abnormal because you seem to have it all. You've got the relationship, the kids, even the cottage on the lake. Life is pretty good. You enjoy your work. You're doing the stuff that's supposed to keep us happy ever after, and it doesn't seem to be working. Here's the secret. You cannot get happiness and well-being. You can't pursue happiness and expect to get there. You can't master something outside of yourself. The secret is everything you need is already inside you. That's the elephant. This show is about sex. It's about love. It's about life. It's about the human experience. It's about the meaning of life, philosophy, psychology, mental health, wellness. How can we flourish as a person? How can we bring compassion to ourselves, to those we know, to strangers and to the planet? I'm going to help you as best I can meet your elephant. And we're going to screw up together. Uh-huh. You can be quite sure all of us are going to make a lot of mistakes along the path to being a wiser, better human being. I had a partner for a few years. We lived together, lovely man, and he gave me a great teaching once. I was being really down on myself and not in a bad way. I was being down on myself because I had messed up. I can't remember exactly what I'd done. Probably I'd had a fight with him and said something nasty or unskillful, but I was like, man, I should be able to do better. I'm a psychologist. I'm a Buddhist teacher. I know better than this. And he said, Cheryl, you know, we're all just bozos on this bus. We're trying to get there the best way we can. Don't be so hard on yourself. You're not fully awakened yet. And it was such a kind thing to say. So there you go. Your elephant may have it all together, but you, the monkey, you with your stuff, me with my stuff, we're going to screw up sometimes. And that's okay because it gives us an opportunity to get back up, dust ourselves off, 
give our head a shake, make amends, apologize, fix the stuff we've broken if we need to, then let it go and move on. So that's what sex, love, and elephants are all about. Whatever you call the elephant, maybe you call it God. Maybe you call it the universe. Maybe you call it your inner knowing. Maybe you call it your true self. Maybe you call it Fred. Whatever you call it, we're going to call it the elephant. And this whole show ultimately is how to learn to be happy for no reason. All right. So a little bit about me. Who the heck am I? And why the heck should you listen to anything I have to say? That's a bloody fair question and a very personal decision for you. If I'm the flavor and the color that seems to work for you, I hope you'll hang around for many, many, many episodes to come and we can try to unpack this curiosity called life together. Look, by training, I'm a PhD clinical psychologist. I'm a sex therapist. I'm an author of the book, Buddha's Bedroom, where I combine the teachings of Buddhist mind training and love and sex therapy. I've had some incredible honors in the last few years to be invited to teach for some extraordinary people. In the personal growth space, I was invited to teach for Tony Robbins at his ultimate love and passion event in Hawaii. He flew me in to be invited keynote speaker on the topic of sex and love. I was then a guest on his podcast where Jack Canfield of Chicken Soup for the Soul heard me, invited me to be the guest speaker on the topic of love and sex on his coaching program, and he very kindly said that I was the best guest expert they'd ever had. Wow. In the field of psychotherapy, psychology, and couples therapy, the incomparable Esther Perel, author of Mating in Captivity, had me on her show sessions a few months ago. Ago. And in the Buddhist realm, I've had the pleasure to teach multiple times for my friend Trudy Goodman Cornfield down at the Inside LA Center. So when I share something with you, it's going to be drawn from science, from psychology, from couples therapy, from sex therapy, from research, from communications theory, from Buddhist training, from meditation, and so much more. I don't share stuff I haven't tried. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to let you know what I do right and what I do wrong. And I'm going to try to help all of us bumble along, hanging on to our elephant's tail, trying to get there the best way we can. Look, when I was a little kid, I think my first word out of my mouth when I was a baby was probably why. I've always been profoundly curious. Why do we suffer so much? Why is life so difficult? Why is love so freaking hard? Oh my Lord, it's hard. Life seems hard, but why? We've got the stuff, so many of us. We're so lucky in our life, in our home, in our families. Why aren't we more internally happy? My mom likes to tell a story that when I was four years old, I marched into the kitchen and I said, Mom, I like animals better than I like people. And she said, Okay, Cheryl, why's that? And I said, Because animals never hurt your feelings. And then I marched back into my room with my cat, my dog, and about 57 stuffed animals. Ever since then, I've been trying to figure out why love is such a hard gig, why we fail, why we try, why happily ever after doesn't work so well. And so I took a traditional route for a while. I was in university for 13 years. I did a Bachelor of Science degree. I was accepted to med school. I did a psychology degree, then a master's, then a PhD, then a postdoc. I did three important theses, one on death and dying, interviewing hospice volunteers, one on premenstrual changes for women in their cognition before their menstrual cycle, looking at neurology and endocrinology. My PhD research was in the field of AIDS, HIV, homophobia, and how we can learn to challenge our preconceived ideas and learn something new. 
did my postdoc at UCSF as a Fulbright scholar. That's a pretty big deal scholarship here in North America. In fact, I was blessed to be awarded more than $100,000 of scholarship money for my academic studies. And then I arrived. I got my PhD. That was it. And I was supposed to go get a professor job, ideally at an Ivy League university, and get tenure and, you know, teach for the rest of my life instead. Because despite all the incredible academic training, despite the absolute honor of studying with some of the best minds in the world about the human experience, the mind, the heart, relationships, and more, I still couldn't answer the question, why aren't we more happy? So instead of getting a tenure-track job, I packed a backpack, I dumped my two cats and dog on my mom's doorstep, thank you mom, and I went off to India for eight months. I studied Buddhism with Tibetan teachers, with Burmese teachers, with Thai teachers. I traveled around Southeast Asia. I had an incredible deep dive into the suffering and the human experience of the human mind. But I'm a human being. The show isn't called Elephant, Elephant, Elephant. It's called Sex, Love, and Elephants. So I'm going to bring this together for each of us as we wander this path of being alive. Most of us choose to be in a couple for great chunks of time. Heck, I accidentally went on a blind date seven years ago. I went on the blind date because I was researching an article I was writing for a magazine on online dating. Well, heck, I accidentally married the guy a couple of years ago. So yeah, after lots of mistakes, lots of ups and downs, lots of failures, I've been there from I do to divorce and back again. How do we be in this world as a spiritual being, as someone committed to growth, and also attempting to bumble through life as a relationship person? Well, it all kind of came together in India when I attended some teachings by the Dalai Lama. There I was in Bodh Gaya, India. That's a little town in India where the historical Shakyamuni Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree and became a fully enlightened human being. There's a descendant of that Bodhi tree that we got to sit under and meditate overnight during the full moon. So I was attending these teachings with the Dalai Lama. But there was a distraction there because I'm a human being. You remember Sean Cassidy, right? Well, my second major crush of the non-I-never-met-him-in-person non-human form was Richard Gere. Oh, my Lord, that movie, Officer and a Gentleman. When he strides in at the end of the movie, Deborah Winger's working in her crappy factory job, no future, no life, and Richard Gere strides in in his military white uniform, and he scoops her off and carries her out of there. I wanted Richard Gere. So there I am in India watching the Dalai Lama. And Richard Gere is sitting on the stage with all the monks because Richard Gere, as you may or may not know, is a very serious student of Tibetan Buddhism. So I'm trying to watch the Dalai Lama. I'm there to meet my elephant. I'm there to help my awakening path. I'm there to let go of the secular stuff. I'm there seriously considering being a Buddhist nun. And instead, I'm gazing at Richard Gere, who was twice as hunky in person, and I swear there's a line of drool dripping off my chin. Just keeping it real. This show is about keeping it real. So that's a little bit about me and what we're going to do together. And my 
hope, my invitation, my offering to you is that we go deep, that we take some very complicated ideas and complicated structures and we bring them down to make them relatable and actionable because there's no quick fix for the meaning of life. There's no shortcut to happiness and well-being. Millions of dollars don't make you happy. And sometimes in this show, what I say, what I share, what my guests share, it's going to make you uncomfortable. And that's astounding. That means you're brave enough to try to grow. When our mind says, ah, I already know that, or even worse, I don't need that. That won't work for me. That's a little crack in a door that if we're brave, we can walk through that door and examine our purchased knowledge. What do I mean by purchased knowledge? Mm -hmm. What I mean is all of us have grown up in culture with teachers, with parents, with families, with ideas, with podcasts we listen to that bring knowledge to us. But one of the big myths is that knowledge is power. Let's bust that myth. We're going to bust a lot of myths in the course of these programs together. Knowledge isn't power. Knowledge is knowledge. Power is action and activity and changing our behavior. The power comes when we take what we're learning and we implement it. Look, let's say I decided I wanted to participate in a triathlon. Okay. I could read all the best books about how to be a triathlete. I could watch all the YouTube videos about how to be a triathlete. Am I a triathlete? No. I've never ran more than a kilometer. I've never sat on a bike and I've never got wet. I'm not a triathlete. I just have a lot of knowledge about being a triathlete. Don't be that guy. Let's learn to take the knowledge that we're exposed to, chew on it. Don't check your intelligence at the door. I'll never ask you to not be a critical thinker. Bring your intelligence, bring your life experience, but also bring an open mind. Allow some things that may seem like they don't fit for you, allow them in. Let the monkey settle down and see if the elephant resonates with something that at first seems crazy or threatening. Sometimes you're going to be uncomfortable. We're going to laugh together. We're going to cry together. We're going to learn together. And it's going to be an FGO. What's an FGO? Well, I worked with this couple once. And when they used to have a big kick down, knock down, drag out, marital fight, one of them would look at each other. This is the way they repaired. This is the way they fixed things when they fell off the rails. And they'd say, babe, whoo, another FGO. And I said, uh, sorry, don't know the term. What's an FGO? And they said, fucking growth opportunity. <laughs> yes, sometimes I'm going to drop an F-bomb or two. Sometimes I'm going to use salty language. I never do it to offend. But heck, I'm the daughter of a redneck, and now and then I may swear a little. And it's not gratuitous. Sometimes it's to wake us up, to snap us out of a trance, and to make us look at something or think about something. So I want this show for all of us to also serve as an FGO. All right. So every episode, I'm going to offer you tips and techniques to help turn your intentions into action because insight is not enough. Insight is not enough. Sigmund Freud himself, whatever you think about him, he was a bit of a cuckoo bird in some ways, cocaine addict, whole lot of other things. But Sigmund Freud was one of the most important thinkers of the last 100 years in that he introduced us to the idea of the unconscious mind, the subconscious mind, the idea that sometimes what we think and feel is being driven by forces deeper than what we're aware of. That's why it's so hard to change your behavior, folks. It's not because you're stupid or broken. It's because our patterns run very, very deep. Here's an example. 
Let's say you've had two broken marriages and both times you married a man. Let's say you married a man with severe alcohol problems. Then you have an insight. You realize that your father, who you adored, who was your hero, was a raging alcoholic. You now have insight. You know why you're so attracted and so compelled towards complicated men with alcohol issues. But Freud himself said insight is not enough because you're quite likely to marry a third guy with alcohol problems if you don't go deeper, if you don't go into the patterns, understand yourself better, meet your elephant, and learn how to change your behavior. Hey, I'm going to ask all of us, me first and foremost, we got to own our own stuff. Don't blame anyone for our behavior. We got to take ownership. We are the place it begins and ends in terms of changing our behavior. Woo-wee! So there you go. A lot of our episodes are going to be solo, me bringing teachings, ideas to you, some sex episodes, some love episodes, some elephant episodes, and oh so much more. But I'm also going to welcome some extraordinary guests to this platform, some thought leaders from fields like personal growth, Buddhism, meditation, sexuality, sex therapy, couples therapy, mental health, physical health, supplementation, living a flourishing life. And I'm going to ask each and every one of those guests some deep questions. I'm going to ask them to tell us about an elephant moment they had where there was a little intuition, a little kitten scratching at their soul door that led them in a direction that didn't make any sense and what happened. And I'm also going to ask them to share some weird and wonderful facts about themselves. Hey, but it's only fair I go first. I did say that I'm going to share things I've done or tried and I'm willing to make myself vulnerable. So here are some weird and wonderful facts about me. Okay, first off, I was obsessed with punk rock when I was a teenager and the Ramones came to Vancouver, British Columbia. They were going to be playing a nightclub. I had to go, but I was underage. So I borrowed a fake ID. I got into the club. Then I flirted with the roadie and he let me backstage and Joey Ramone signed my shirt. It was incredible. And by the way, Joey was a really nice guy. Okay, second fun fact. Hmm. Oh, here's one for you. When I was on a meditation retreat in Thailand, I was doing silent, quiet, slow walking meditation with my eyes focused in front of me. Later, another meditator said that they saw me almost step on a cobra. I'll tell you that story in the next elephant episode. I was also attacked by a premenstrual monkey on the same retreat and had to go for rabies shots. Don't let anybody tell you that the spiritual path is not freaking dangerous. Okay, third fact. <laughs> my first ever sex toy was a Snoopy electric toothbrush just saying. So that's what we'll do with some of our guest experts. But in addition to experts or people you may have heard of, what about extraordinary, ordinary people? I'm going to interview some people who run ultra marathons for fun. I'll interview people who created breakfast programs for underprivileged kids in their community who were showing up at school without any breakfast and more. Every time we'll go deep and try to bring something from that person's journey that you can apply to your knowledge and more importantly, to your actions to change your own behavior for the better, to find your elephant. Oh my goodness, what a joy. What a pleasure. What an absolute honor to be here with you now. There's so much more to come. The next three episodes, I'm going to dedicate one of them to sex, one of them to love, and one of them to elephants. And then we'll start bringing on guests and opening it up and oh, so much more. And now, 
at the end of each and every episode, I'm going to offer you what I call a love bite. A love bite is a digestible snack of something really important. Sometimes it'll be a call to action. Sometimes it will be a slogan or an aspiration. Sometimes it will be a teaching for you to contemplate that hopefully sums up the most important lesson of that particular episode. So today's love bite from episode one of Sex, Love, and Elephants is the following. We're all just bozos on this bus trying to get there the best way we can. But don't worry because your elephant already has all the answers. Thank you so much for joining me. I can't wait to journey with you. Let's do this. Let's go crazy. Let's learn. Let's grow. Don't forget, every time you walk by a swing set to jump on it and swing, because we all got to let the kid inside, outside, and we all need to dive deep, go within, and find our elephant. Until next time, such a pleasure. I'm Dr. Cheryl Fraser. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sex, Love, and Elephants. But most of all, thank you for being part of this herd. If you enjoyed listening, please share this with a friend. And if you haven't already, I would love, love, love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcast player because it really helps all the other elephants find us. If you have any questions or comments or maybe an idea for the show or you'd like to be a guest, reach out to me directly at drcherylfraser.com, where you can also sign up for weekly Love Bites, science-based tips for creating love and passion that last a lifetime. Lifetime.